While fraud perpetrated through the mobile channel remains low relative to other banking channels, such as the online channel and the ATM, it's just a matter of time before banking institutions begin to see significant upticks in attacks and ultimately fraud losses linked to the mobile channel. Here, Julie Conroy, a research director and analyst at ITA Group, explores some of the emerging trends that we soon can expect to see impacting mobile banking and eventually mobile payments, and key takeaways and lessons the U.S. can learn from other international markets. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Julie, would you say that mobile attacks and fraud risks are, by and large, widely underestimated by most U.S. banking institutions? No, actually, I wouldn't. As I speak with executives at USFIs, you know, most of the fraud guys are, are staying up late at night worrying about the mobile channel. And so I don't think it's underestimated. I think also as we look at uh, the folks in the e-commerce channels, and the types of losses that they are taking, they are really the, the canaries in the coal mine, and financial institutions are taking notes. Julie, how has mobile adoption grown or evolved in the U.S. over the last two years? You know, we've seen mobile banking adoption increase significantly, and actually this year is the year that we're hitting the tipping point for mobile banking login. About the mid-year point in 2014, we're going to see mobile logins overtake online logins, continue to outpace them from there. doesn't mean that there's more mobile banking users. It means that mobile banking users are more engaged, and so they tend to log in 14 to 17 times a month compared with online banking users who on average log in about four to five times a month. Would you say that the U.S. then is finally catching up with other international markets where the adoption of mobile banking and perhaps even payments is concerned? You know, I wouldn't actually say that we've necessarily been lagging. We've certainly been using it differently. Yeah, and as you look at countries such as Brazil, where it's much more common to have a mobile device than to have a PC, you know, certainly they have been more aggressive adopters of mobile banking, but it hasn't necessarily been as rich of a mo mobile banking experience because smartphone adoption is less well penetrated in many of those countries. So I'm not sure we're catching up per se, but it is certainly a very popular form factor and continues to, to grow in popularity. And also, we have traditionally, as a financial institutions industry, had the luxury in the mobile banking environment of tying down the risks in that channel with reduced functionality, velocity controls, things like that. Those are rapidly disappearing as mobile banking users demand a richer and more full-featured experience. From a risk perspective, Julie, what types of mobile attacks has the industry seen emerge in the last 18 months? And would you say that international markets are more targeted in the U.S.? I think it really depends on the type of attack you're talking about when you talk about your second question. You know, a recent Kaspersky study said that they're finding that mobile malware is targeting folks in other countries more heavily, most notably Russia, which seems very interesting to me because usually that's further down on the attack target list just because some of the attacks are emanating from Russia and the former Soviet republics. We're seeing a wide variety of attacks. We're seeing channel attacks, which have been there for some time. We're seeing phishing uh, directed at the mobile channel in the, in the form of smishing and even vishing. Uh, we're seeing a lot of rogue apps out there, apps purporting to be a well-known brand, and uh, they get the users to download them for the express purpose of either getting malware onto the user's phone or capturing credentials. We are seeing malware targeting the mobile environment that's growing at about a 200% year-over-year clip at present. And we're also seeing reverse engineering of apps. As I talk to the e-commerce fraud executives, 
that's one of the things that is causing a significant amount of concern and pain for them, and it has a lot of FI executives worried as well. Julie, from a regulatory compliance perspective, what type of guidance or oversight related to mobile banking and payments might banks and credit unions in the U.S. expect to see within the next year or two, if any? Well, we've been hearing about mobile authentication guidance specific to the online channel, and I hope they actually call it mobile fraud mitigation guidance instead of mobile authentication because they, they kind of mixed apples and oranges in the, in the June 2011 online guidance. You know, for the time being, the banks and credit unions have been operating under the assumption that mobile is within the scope of that June 2011 guidance, but there has been a working group specifically working on mobile guidance. I had heard that it was supposed to come out late last year. Um, that update then became the first half of 2014. We're about a month and a half away from the end of the first half of 2014. We'll see if that happens. Julie, you'll be sitting on a panel at our upcoming Fraud Summit Chicago to discuss emerging mobile security concerns as well as fraud risks. What do you anticipate to be some of the highlights of that panel discussion? Well, in that discussion, I, I plan to share some of our research that highlights the increasing use of the mobile channel, some of the latest attack vectors, you know, some of the lessons that bank fraud executives can take from the e-commerce folks who haven't had the luxury of tying down their mobile channel with rules. They want to execute a transaction. They have to have all of the same transaction capability in mobile as they do online. And then I'm also looking forward to hearing Ed's thoughts as a financial fraud executive that's out there on the front line. So it should be a good discussion. And in advance of the summit, for those banking institutions that plan to attend, what would you say are some of the key questions that they should be asking themselves now as they prepare? Well, I think the key questions are things that should be asked now and after the summit and, and on an ongoing basis. It's really looking at the type of functionality you have in your mobile channel today, the type of security protections you have in place, your roadmap to push additional high-risk transactional capability to the mobile channel, and just compare that to the current threat environment and find out where the gaps are. If bankers aren't constantly engaging in these types of processes, be sure the bad guys are, and they're going to find the holes first. And then, Julie, before we close, are there any final thoughts you'd like to leave our audience with? No, I just look forward to seeing everybody in Chicago in a couple of days. You know, look forward to some open discussion about the risks associated with this channel. You know, it's one that has great strategic importance for financial institutions, and it's also one that is very attractive from a criminal perspective. Very true, and I look forward to seeing you at the panel next week as well, Julie. And thanks again for your time this morning. Thank you, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from Julie Conroy of ITA Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.